0: The number one reason I do not work in child care anymore, the pay. The pay is absolute, just total, total crap.
1: Tansy Roberts is a 22-year-old who recently quit her job at a child care center.
0: Like, there's no other way to just describe how awful the pay is for the amount of energy emotionally, mentally, physically that goes into the job.
1: We've all seen the help-wanted signs in our neighborhoods. Restaurants, retailers, grocery stores, all looking for people to work. But data shows that the problem is especially bad for daycares and childcare centers. It's demanding work that doesn't pay a lot. That's why people like Tansy don't wanna work there anymore. And in this economy, they don't have to. From the newsroom of The Washington Post, this is Post Reports, I'm Martine Powers. It's Monday, October 11th. Today, childcare workers who are quitting their jobs, daycare centers that might have no choice but to close, and parents who are left without
2: options. There are simply not enough spots across the U.S. for all the children who need care so their parents can go back to work. And some of that is because of lingering effects of the pandemic but a lot of it is really just for years this was a really low paying industry the typical wage is 12 24 an hour and it often does not come with benefits
1: heather long is an economics correspondent for the post she's been reporting on why childcare workers are quitting and the domino effect that happens when they do
2: For instance, in Tansy's situation, she was like, I love kids, but this is a really hard task. And I got a 15 cent raise. I still make less than $12 an hour, but for all of this extra work, it's a 15 cent raise. And and I think, again, people are sort of saying, is this worth it? Am I burned out? I'm burned out.
1: How widespread is this problem or this shortage of childcare? Like, where in the country are we seeing this posing a problem for parents?
2: It's pretty much everywhere. I certainly got notices from big cities and urban areas, and all the way. There's parts in the article that feature some very rural parts of Maine, for instance, or a daycare in North Dakota. Basically, a lot of child care centers closed during the pandemic, and as several people pointed out to me, it's obviously really sad when pretty much any business closes, like a restaurant, but usually another restaurant will come back and take that spot maybe a few months later. Uh, that's not how usually how it works in daycare. If a daycare shuts, it, it usually there's not going to be another daycare. And on top of that, right now, what, what really blew my mind is I kept hearing, oh, it's really hard to... Find people to work in my daycare center, and I'm losing some of my veteran staff. Daycares have really struggled to recover from the losses that they had during the pandemic. There's still more than 125,000 positions that are not staffed. And on top of that, what's really like the red siren alarm is there have been workers in the industry, veteran workers, people who've been there for years who have quit. I worked
0: with veterans, right? I mean, women who are in the industry 20, 30 plus years, and they haven't seen a raise in what, 10, 15 years. And if they did, it was maybe about $2 at the most. And just like I said, very little in return as far as respect, emotional and mental support. There was a lot of parents who just weren't appreciative sometimes of what the teachers actually had to sacrifice so that their kids could in, enjoy the experience, whether it be aftercare work or at you know, the daycare centers that I worked at.
2: So we've lost over 10,000 veteran workers in July and August, even when other parts of the economy were adding back jobs.
1: And I'm curious to hear more about the thinking behind people who have worked in childcare centers who right now are deciding, look, I just don't want to do this work anymore. I want to go work someplace else. Like, what has changed and what makes a childcare job more difficult now than ever?
2: So, from talking to um, a handful of workers, including Tansy, who quit in June and now has a job in basically the tech industry working from home. I hear a couple of things over and over again. Number one is obviously the low pay. It's not like there wasn't low pay before, but I think as other jobs are starting to raise their wages quite aggressively above $15, and in some cases more towards 20 uh, and offering benefits, the big thing is benefits, it's um, harder and harder to justify staying in this current role. And I think one of the other big differences now is there's a huge need to hire in elementary schools. So if somebody does have a college degree and maybe used to be a lead teacher in a preschool, they are now getting poached basically by local elementary schools who are offering more money, better benefits, summers off to become like a kindergarten or first grade teaching aid as opposed to staying at that daycare center.
1: But what confuses me is that childcare is so expensive. I mean, I've heard friends of mine who are parents talk about how much it costs to put a kid or two kids into daycare. And it's just it's crazy how how much money it costs. And so if people are willing to pay a lot for childcare, then why isn't that translating into higher wages for the people who do that child care?
2: I think people forget that the laws in most states require that you can't have more than four babies with one person, just a very staffing intensive. And unfortunately, what happens is a lot of daycares were telling me um, what I have to do when I can't get enough staff is I close my infant or my toddler room because those require the most people in the rooms. 60 to 80% of a typical child care center's budget is staffing costs. So there just isn't a whole lot that you can tweak in other areas. I was talking to a daycare owner in Pennsylvania, in Allentown, and she was explaining that, uh, <laughs> yeah, if they raise the teacher pay, then obviously the only other costs they have are like the cost of the building. And right now they're trying to repair a leaky roof. So, you know, what are you going to do? Just have a bigger leak in the roof. So um, it's not that she doesn't want to pay more. Honestly, so many people I spoke to who own child care centers, they also agree that these workers should be making more money. But as one person in Maine told me, I'm already the most expensive daycare in town. But she also recognizes that she's lost Uh, over 20 of her workers during this pandemic who have quit to take jobs at paint stores and to become bank tailors and jobs that they can make several more dollars an hour doing.
1: Coming up, we hear from someone who is running a child care center about what this moment is like for them.
3: Staffing for South Shore Stars has been uh, very uh, tricky and challenging lately.
1: We'll be right back. So what is the solution here? I mean, what are child care centers supposed to do to be able to stay afloat and to be able to continue providing services for parents who need childcare to be able to go back to work?
2: I don't think there is an easy solution right now. And that's what really scares me is people sort of say, oh, is this just a short term problem? There just isn't an obvious way to change it. The state of Illinois started offering $1,000 bonuses to childcare workers to try to help a little bit. But obviously, that's a one time payment. You know, it helps a little bit right now. Maybe it keeps somebody in the industry for a few more months. But, you know, is that really going to change the game in 2022? No. So I think what what we're seeing is this realization that there is going to have to be some more investment in, in child care. This notion that it can just remain a private sector program and that it can remain you know, parents having to foot the entire bill uh, is getting to the point that it's holding the economy back. And so uh, President Biden and congressional Democrats have proposed $450 billion investment in child care uh, over the next decade. It you know, would certainly be the largest federal investment. That's, that's ever happened. Uh, some states have gotten creative. I often hold up the state of West Virginia actually does already have universal uh, preschool for all four-year-olds in the state. So there are some programs that you're seeing in, in different states try to alleviate some of the pressures here. Uh, but, but basically it's hard to see a solution that isn't uh, going to require some level, whether it's local, state, or federal investment.
1: And I'm curious to hear more about what childcare providers have been telling you especially the people who who either own or manage these daycare centers and are trying to keep it together with all of these outside pressures
2: uh, it's kind of scary. A lot of people I've been talking to uh, say things like this is my hardest year in business in 30 years and I'm thinking about shutting down. And uh, you know I'm sitting here thinking, no, no, don't shut down. like clearly we need more spots but uh, I think they just feel caught. And one of the stories that really stood out to me was uh, Jennifer Curtis who runs South Shore Stars, a pretty extensive daycare, preschool and childcare. Center in outside Boston, Massachusetts. The umbrella of our agency is called South Shore Stars, but we have
3: about, let's say, 13 to 14 different uh, sites, and they vary from preschool to kindergarten uh, programs, high school offerings, uh, independent family child care homes, um, as well as after school programming and enrichment programming and summer programming.
2: So they do everything from preschool to you know hosting elementary school students and, and middle school students after school programs. And she really put it in perspective for me because she until early this year, was actually for many years, a superintendent of a public school district. And she said, look, let me, let me explain this to you, that when I would post a job for a first grade teacher or a kindergarten teacher at the school district, same town, within 24 hours, I'd have 200 applications. You know, she said, we have posted jobs for the lead preschool teacher for months and have basically zero applications.
3: Tapping for South Shore Stars has been uh, very uh, tricky and challenging lately. Uh, We're having a difficult time uh, having people apply for the positions that we have open.
2: And when she called people and sort of tried to actively recruit, please come work for us or at least do an informational interview with me, hoping she could convince somebody to come to South Shore, their response was kind of, you're my last resort. Like, if I can't find a job anywhere else, maybe I'll call you back.
1: Oh, that's interesting. So is she changing anything? I mean, is she trying to come up with ways to be more enticing and competitive in what she can offer as an employer?
2: it's a non-profit so Jennifer's been begging her board to try to increase pay they've done what a lot of places have done they've tried to do recruiting bonuses they've tried to do a bonus for people if they bring on a friend like someone who currently works there would get an extra payment as well if they help recruit someone but it just it hasn't these types of efforts just haven't moved the dial and I've, I've just heard that over and over across the country from people trying to be creative but there's just only so much you can do and uh, at the moment when pay is 12 13 dollars an hour and I, I even in Jennifer's area I looked it up there's a Dunkin Donuts offering 14 an hour with benefits like it's just you know again it's it's a sad story but a way to really change this is for state laws to no longer require a lot of daycare teachers to have college degrees or to have at least associates degrees or some sort of training um, and then you have to ask yourself: Is that really what we want? Is is that really, you know, do we want to maybe reduce the quality of of the early childhood experience and education experience? And I'm not sure that is what America wants as a nation.
1: But in the short term, it's also presenting all these problems for parents if they can't find child care to be able to go back to work. I mean, that seems like it has bigger implications for the economy.
2: And you can see it in the numbers. There's still about 1.6 million parents, moms in particular, of children under 17 who have not been able to return to the labor force. And surveys kind of show that a lot of that is ongoing child care struggles uh either childcare child care that's not reliable so there's still these outbreaks happening in parts of the country and women tell me moms tell me and, and dads it affects too but uh, right or wrong a lot of this is falling on moms um that I you know, I can get a call next week and suddenly I have to quarantine with my kids at home for, for two weeks. Or I, they can't find a spot. I've had a couple of people tell me you know, I thought everything was great. I had my kid going back to school and then their after school program. We were all so excited and they literally got a notice a day or two before school started, like, sorry, we don't have enough staff. We will not be running this after school program.
1: And what do you do in that scenario? Like when parents have told you that that's what they've experienced –
2: what do they do? It's back to the scramble. It's everything from people trying to work with their kid in the background watching TV and, and asking for snacks to trying to beg grandparents to get involved or extended family to, you know, frantically being on these long waiting lists and, and different programs and just kind of hoping and a prayer that in a month it might be a little better. Uh, so there's just a lot of kind of barely hanging on is, is what I keep hearing throughout this child care situation and sure if you're optimist it might get a little bit better by the end of the year early next year if, if we can get COVID more under control if a couple more women can come back to the workforce but uh, it's just hard to envision that we're going to be anywhere near full capacity on daycare anytime soon.
1: Heather Long is an economics correspondent for The Post. That's it for Post Reports. Thanks for listening. Today's show was produced by Jordan Marie Smith. It was mixed by Sean Carter. Every day, millions of people come to The Post for Pulitzer Prize-winning reporting, exclusive investigations, and so much more. And every day, readers around the world make the decision to subscribe. The kind of reporting that we do on the podcast would not be possible without our subscribers. If that is you, thank you so much. If not, I hope you'll consider a subscription to The Washington Post. Right now, you can try The Post for just a dollar a week, which gets you unlimited access to everything we publish. Learn more at WashingtonPost.com slash subscribe. I'm Martine Powers. We'll be back tomorrow with more stories from The Washington Post.